Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Dr. Jeremy Weiss here, host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Lokish, I always like to mention past guests, past episodes. Um, we had David Allen of Getting Things Done, Michael Gerber of The E-Myth, and many more. You know, on this, we have Director of our Operations, we have Chief Operating Officer, people who geek out on systems and running the company. So um, check out all past episodes out there uh, of the process breakdown. And before I introduce today's guest, which is Lokesh Yadagiri of Hunt a Killer, just wait to hear what Hunt a Killer does. Okay. When I first heard that, I was like, I don't know who is going to show up for this interview from a company called Hunt a Killer, but he will tell us about it in a second. Um, this episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. So if you've had team members ask you the same questions over and over again, and it may be the 10th time you spent explaining it, well, guess what? There's a better way. There's a solution. Sweet Process is actually a software that makes it drop dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. And when I was talking to one of the owners, Owen, not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies actually use them in life or death situations to run their operations. So I'm like, if it's good enough for them, Lokish is good enough for me. You can use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time. So you can focus on growing your team, empowering them to do their best work. There is a, a free trial, free 14-day trial, no credit cards required. You can go to sweetprocess.com. That's sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process.com. I'm excited to introduce today's guest, Lokesh Yadagiri. He's the operations manager at Hunt a Killer. His background is actually in mechanical and industrial engineering. He serves as the primary point of contact and liaison with their marketing, fulfillment, and supply chain departments. And we're gonna talk about and geek out on how to manage your inventory based on the days of inventory on hand metric, which for any physical goods company is critical. Okay. So Lokish, thanks for joining me and tell me about Hunt a Killer and what you do. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. And that was, that was quite an introduction. Uh, so yeah, uh, I've been uh, here at Hunt a Killer for about a little over four years. So Hunt a Killer was uh, uh, founded by our co-founders, Ryan Hogan and uh, Derek Smith. So this started off uh, as an annual immersive live mystery event here in uh, Maryland, where uh, we had participants uh, try to solve a weekend long uh, murder mystery. Uh, so we had to cap this event at like about 600 to 700 people and we couldn't scale because- That's you, a lot though. That, no, that's a lot. You didn't want to have like more than thousand people just investigating a crime and seeing out in the open. <laughs> so this was back in 2016. Uh, also during that time, our co-founders uh, saw the popularity of the growing subscription box industry. And then that's when we decided to pivot the business model um, and we decided, why don't we uh, deliver these murder machine kales in the form of a uh, subscription box? 
with immersive clues, evidence, uh, physical objects, and deliver it to members' doorstep. That's how Hunt Killer subscription was born. Amazing. And anyone could check it out. Um, <clears throat> what's the best website? Huntakiller.com? Yep, huntakiller.com. You can uh, just log on, subscribe. We're also active on uh, social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, just anywhere. And um, just to give people a sense of the, the business, um, the boxes you've shipped, and I'm going to have you show a little bit of the box too. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. So uh, typically, uh, Hunter Killer is, is basically like when you compare this to a Netflix TV show, it's like a season where every month you get a physical box. Uh, so every box is a season. So in this, you would basically get uh, documentation such as a letter, you would have a couple of newspaper articles, evidence such as like a key or like a coupling, some swag like lapel pins, uh, etc. in the box. So basically a private investigator is being trying to reach you and uh, he or she sends uh, the murder mystery to you and is requesting help. So you get to wear the detective hat on and try to solve the mystery. Wow, I love it. So check it out. I think you have over 130,000 members Remember, of the community. Really, yep, that is correct. Uh, yeah, we started off with uh, October 2017. I still remember this. Derek was, uh, we started off with 47 members and Derek Smith, one of our co-founders was packing all these boxes and then shipping it out of his basement, uh, true entrepreneurship style. Uh, but then, yeah, over the past uh, four and a half years, we've grown. Um, and then, yeah, today we are somewhere between 125 to 130,000 subscribers. I'm going to have to introduce you to the, there's a lady who runs uh, Chicago crime tours in Chicago. And I'm sure the people who take that, those tour um, would love what you guys do and vice versa. So uh, remind me of that. Funny story, we actually had, had an idea of like a crime cruise where we have people on a cruise boat and then that's where uh, probably just put in a murder mystery and then let people have fun. So that's something that we definitely had an idea. For. I love that. So let's talk about how to manage your inventory because you have a lot of stuff. Like You just held up a couple things there. And when you're shipping out to thousands and tens of thousands of people, because I know you've shipped over, you've shipped millions of these things to people. There's a lot of paper. There's a lot of little widgets in there keeping track. I mean, it seems simple. You get it in the mail. You don't realize how much work goes on behind the scenes. You need all these thousands and tens of thousands of these little lapel pins. Um, so talk about how to manage your inventory based on days of inventory on hand metric. You know, where should we start with that? So a good point to start here would be just what, what is managing inventory look like for an organization, right? So Inventory management can literally make or break a company. When you look at the balance sheet, one of the largest items on it is your inventory expenses. So if you carry too much of inventory and you're overstocking, that would result in uh, higher carrying costs. And at the same time, on the opposite side, if you don't spend too much amount of inventory and then you run out of stock, then you that's going to hurt the customer service, late orders and stuff. So today, what I'm going to talk about is days on hand and how this metric would help you find the middle ground or balance like the like optimum uh, balancing inventory with optimal sales and then also having the optimal level of inventory so it's like basic trying to balance these both things uh, so yeah days on hand like the name suggests it's days of sales and inventory 
it helps us in uh, measuring how efficiently uh, an organization uses its inventory and also the amount that is tied up to it. So higher carrying costs, more inventory, lower carrying costs, less inventory. So DOH would help us balance this out. So walk me through in a given, how often are you, are you shipping them on demand? Are you shipping when someone subscribes, then they're getting it on a certain time of the month and then every month, how does it, how does it work? So that how do you plan what you need for the boxes? That's a very interesting question. So when we started off with Hunter Killer, so we used to ship all the orders out once a month, but we've heard our uh, customer feedback and we've iterated the product so much that today, if you were to place your order by 2 p.m. EST, we ship your order the same day. And if your order is renewing for the second episode, we ship out the same day too. So we ship same day. And we've also given members the option for expediting their boxes. Like you don't have to wait an entire month to get your next box. Rather, you can just go and say pinch and then that's my next box. Mm. So on a day-to-day -day basis, we ship around like six, 7,000 uh, experiences a day. And then that quantifies to like all of the production that happens in the back. And then that ties up to how much inventory you have on hand as well. So, so yeah. talk about some of this, the processes in operation that need to happen because what, like, are there any specific software and tools you use to help manage that? Like we were saying, manage your inventory based on the days of inventory on hand. Yeah. So over the past four years, we've been uh, focusing a lot on growth and like just scaling our business. And then after the past year that uh, we saw a significant high number of sales because of COVID, which we're not prepared for. That's when now we are taking a step back and like trying to put different processes in place. So one of the advantages that we have this year is we've implemented a new uh, software called as EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System, mm -hmm. which we've started to use from this year. Yeah. So what that is helping us do is that is help us define what operation metrics are. And one of the main thing is your days on hand metric. Now that is tied up into our WMS warehouse management software, our shipping software. And then that in the next couple of months, we are also implementing an MRP module, which we've never had. We've, we've not really had the time before to like sit down and then look at this metric or measure this per se, the uh, days in hand. Now we are getting uh, into this and doing deep dive analysis of what does our inventory look like? What is days on hand? What's our inventory turnover? So once we measure these and then control these variables, then that would lead to an effective, efficient operations, basically. So Lokesh, walk me through order comes in today. Yep. Then what happens? What are the, what are the next cascade of steps so that, because it will ship out maybe sometimes same day? Correct. So for example, say you place an order today, you go to our website, you place an order today, it shows up in our, um, our shipping software, view ship station. So the order is there, it gets tagged with uh, what season and what episode you're going to start on. And then we have, our warehouse has already kitted episodes on the shelf. So it's basically like a pick and pack maneuver. But to get to that field, there's so much production planning. So everything backs up. So we kit like two weeks ahead of uh, inventory based on the waterfall cohort analysis, which I'm going to get into uh, later in the show. Uh, so yeah, we basically look at what our forecast looks like for the next month, next two weeks, next six months. Based on that, 
orders are placed, it's it shows up in the warehouse, it gets produced, kitted, and then it's ready to be picked and shipped out the door. That's why we're like ahead and we can ship orders the same day. Got it. So it comes in to your website, goes to ShipStation, that alerts the team in the to basically take the pre-kitted um, yep. box and yep. ship it out the door. Yep. So you'll have the box ready. You just ship out a label, put it on the back, and it's ready for pickup. Now, obviously, you mentioned like a lot of stuff happens that there's a bunch of already boxed, kitted, you know, um, hunt to killer boxes so they yep. can immediately send it out. So you mentioned the waterfall and forecasting. Talk about now there could, you know, what's the, the process? Let's say someone's picking it and they see there's only two boxes left or maybe that never happens because you forecasted it. Has there been a point where they box it and there's like a mechanism where they go, wow, it looks like we're running low. It's not specifically hooked up in your brain, which is, you know, the numbers, or does that never happen? Oh, I'd be lying if I say it would have never happened, but you make mistakes, you fail, but you learn from it. So how does this happen? So when you get in, let's say, for example, a thousand subscribers a month, so they all fall into the first cohort. So you get in 10,000 people into the funnel. But not everyone renews. There's, they may or may not like the product or because of X, Y, Z reason, you might lose some people in the form of churn. So over the past couple of years, we've seen how our seasons have performed. And then we've gathered data for about more than four years. And then we determine how many people are going to renew to say it. We get in 10,000 people, say 10% go out, 7% go out. So let's hit minus 7% that for episode two. And then that's, it's your next waterfall for every episode. So we are ahead on that. We have this forecast analysis that helps fulfillment determine what needs to be kitted. And then that's also gets a trigger, a trigger buy-in for the supply chain team on how much to order. So mm. those are the trigger points for both fulfillment and supply chain taking a sales forecast from the marketing team. I love it. So when you are, talk about the waterfall what you were talking about. Yep. Uh, so yeah, so if for example, um, let's assume this is just a rough example that I'm giving. So let's assume a uh, thousand people subscribe in the month of July. That's they are on season one, episode one. And then let's take, assume that my churn rate uh, is 10%. So if we take out 10% from 10,000, that's almost what like thousand people getting out the door for that month. So I know for a fact that at least 9,000 people are going to renew for the month of August who are, who, is, who are going to be on episode two. So you run that chart down to the end of the year. So episode six would be like somewhere during November, December. So I know that if every month I'm losing 10%, so I know during October or December, I know how many people may renew for episode six or episode five. So that is the waterfall based on every cohort. What happens though, you go, Jeremy, Yeah, I have this amazing YouTube strategy and we're going to, we may increase and you don't really know what it mm -hmm. is. Right. And how do you communicate with the marketing team who may have an initiative that may increase the subscriber base? Like we were talking before we hit record, you partner with another box company, right? And if you're a box company out there in the alcohol space, Hunter Killer is a good partner 
for both of you, you could probably partner up and go, hey, while you drink this alcohol, you should do Hunt a Killer Box or Hunt a Killer Box, drink this alcohol. Let's say you're like, I have no idea how this is going to go. You, yeah. you partner with this wine club and you get another 3,000 subscribers. So how do you communicate with the marketing team to coordinate that? That's a very interesting point. Uh, funny story, we actually did collaborate uh, a couple of years back with uh, this wine subscription called Wink. So we did uh, swap over a couple of um, uh, brochures and like uh, gift coupon codes. And then, yeah, that definitely did uh, drive a lot of their subscribers to Hunt Killer. Uh, but yeah, to your point, uh, yes, we they could be something like that. Marketing can suddenly come in through a wrench or like COVID <laughs> happened last year and then sales went through the door, uh, through the roof. So this year we also have a new team, uh, which is the sales and operations planning team, which I'm a part of. Uh, so what we do um, on a monthly basis, so the sales and operations planning team comes together. So we bring in sales, we bring in fulfillment, we bring in supply chain. So together we have a monthly uh, meeting where we discuss what the marketing uh, plans are for the next six months at least. If the sales are not going according to plan, do we have a mitigation plan? Or we have some selling moments. For example, July, we, we saw June, July, we saw Prime Day or something else just coming up. So all those selling moments, we try to record them and then forecast. So no one is going to be 100% good at forecasting, correct? Yeah. So it's really tough. It's tough. And especially not knowing the marketing conditions, like you can never have like 100% forecast uh, accuracy. So we try to put together like a plus or minus 10% on that. And then we are prepped for that. So once a month, we come together, we look at how the last month performed, are we on track, do we need to make adjustments, course correction, and then we have a new place in action. So this is something that we've been doing it uh, this year. It's a tough one. Um, so I wanna talk about, um, before we go into this topic, I wanna talk about, cause you mentioned churn rate, and for any box company, a subscription company, any software company, that's the magic, thing how do you reduce churn rate so i'm wondering and basically there's a number of factors there but i'm wondering what you've done in a company to help reduce the churn rate um but before we we go into that topic separate is there anything else we should talk about under this umbrella of managing inventory based on the days of inventory in hand what what have we missed so far that we should make sure to mention so visibility is one thing that uh, days on hand metric provides uh, to all the stakeholders. So basically once we do the analysis and say we come across with the inventory team says, okay, for this particular season or SKU, we have a lot of inventory. And for this particular season, we have very less inventory. We compare that to how that product is performing. We take a look at the sales data, see if that product is performing really over expectations or is it underperforming? And then we provide like solutions to marketing or marketing can come back to us and say, why don't we box this up and sell this and get rid of all the inventory? So that visibility is a crucial thing that days on hand metrics uh, brings into the limelight. And also it helps us understand what our carrying capacity is. We, we have a 21,000 square foot um, distribution uh, facility here in Morrill Park, Baltimore. So are we using like, are we completely using it? Is it like 80% occupied? Can we reduce inventory somewhere so that we can make it 50% so that we're prepped for Q4 during our busiest months? That's another decision making. So yeah, this metric would definitely help all of these. Supply chain team, 
they can strategize their buys for like the next six months or a year, taking into account all of the shipping delays we've been having, the market fluctuations, ocean freight fluctuations due to COVID. So it'll help them long-term planning. So that's pretty much what DOH is uh, useful, useful for, for us so far. Lokesh, for a user experience, when they go in to buy, first buy, can do they start with the season one or can they choose a box based on their interest? So everyone starts on a particular season. Got so it. everyone starts at a season and then they move, uh, they move ahead to like a different season. Uh, yes, we did have the option. Now that we are four years down the line, we had like 10 different active seasons. There was um, a thought of like, why don't we just have people start at whatever season they want? Like you have four seasons, they might go look at this trailer and they want to start in this season or that season. Uh, yes, but it's, it's that becomes it's, that throws a wrench in your calculations then, that, right? Because it's oh, hard to plan. Yeah, it would it would be hard to predict who would choose what to go in. But yeah, tech tech is a big factor that comes into uh, technology is going to be a big factor. But hopefully, in the next uh, couple of months or years, we have that option available for our, uh, our subscribers. So right now, it's not an option yet for them to choose what season they go into. Um, they can start when season one and then kind of go through. It sounds like. Correct. Right. Uh, our most recent active season right now, everyone starts on curtain call and then they, they move on to the next season, which is Manly Rock and then so on on every season. Got it. But once we started giving our subscribers the option for like binging and expediting their next box, they are like cruising through every episode. Quick yeah. And they want to get the next season. Uh, Got it. As soon as possible. That's great. I mean, still with that, you can still, sounds like you can still calculate your waterfall calculation based on that because they're just going to the next one and you you are factoring in let's say a 10 percent whatever 10 percent churn anyways so even if they get it now or you know three months from now you're still kind of factoring that in yes correct so yeah. yes it, it's definitely not 100 percent accurate like i i said it's predicting who is going to renew or who's going to like or not like it's it's not that easy but yes we do factor in the churn and the percentage of people who would like to expedite and then, yeah, we have a blended average across the board. So what um, you mentioned, like you have a bunch of inventory on a, on a box, a, <laughs> a season or uh, how, what's a solution to, to open up the space? Let's say there's something coming up that you're going to have a big promotion for. What have you done to get those boxes off the shelves to leave room for the next, exactly. next batch? That's uh that's a very interesting question because you can you can do this in multiple ways, right? You can either take a hit on your expenses and then just mark that as obsolete and get rid of it. Or in our case, what we did, this is a real life example. From the past few years, we've been uh, stocking up on previous seasons. So what we decided to do was we marketing came up with a, a launch campaign of like a retirement sale. So for uh, a good discount, we're offering the entire season as a box set. So one, we're getting rid of the inventory, which is indoors, and we're also making some revenue out of it, which at other point would just sit down there. So we did an analysis and we showed marketing, okay, we can come up with X, Y, Z amount that you can sell. We got the go ahead, put them in boxes, launch a campaign saying it's a retirement sale, it's coming back from the vault, you're never gonna get it again. Boom, you have people subscribing as a box head and it's not one episode, it's the entire season, right? So that's how, that was one of the things that we did. Love it. Let's go to, so anything else on the, the managed inventory based on the days of inventory on hand metric, 
before I we talk about churn. Yeah, business decisions, right? So the example that I just gave you, it was a strategic business decision. Like we looked at our days on hand, we looked at our inventory, and then we sat down as a team and like, what can we do? And then we came up with a solution. So yeah, it, it looks like a small uh, terminology when I just say days on hand, but the effects of what it has on a business is tremendous. And I cannot uh, stop saying like managing inventory is so crucial for running a successful operation. You know, one of the things in that you have to factor in is like you mentioned, if there's a delay in ocean freight or wherever you're getting pieces, what's um, the average time span when you say, okay, we need 10,000 of these pins, we need 10,000 of these widgets, for it to all come in, what's the, um, the days that you need to order in advance to get all of that stuff to even pack the boxes? Correct. So that, that leads me into an, an, a good metric that we also have for our uh, supply chain team. So with your days on hand inventory for, for any given season or a SKU, we came up with some metrics of like, what's our baseline? Do we need to have, if it's something is sourced domestically, do we need to have 30 days worth of stock or is it 45 days worth of stock? If it's internationally sourced, is it 90 days, 130 days or 120 days? What's the What's the point? So once we started doing these analysis on what's our current inventory situation looks like, so we looked at the ocean market fluctuations. On an average, it, ocean freight has gone up by at least 10 to 12 days because of port congestions. And also from the point the inventory is ready for pickup uh, to uh, be put on a vessel, that has increased on an average about seven days. So in total, you're looking at around 20, 22 days additional, which would have been normal. So we're adding those days into our days on hand as, okay, instead of 90 days, let's add those 20 days as a buffer. Let's have at least 120 days worth of inventory. So your trigger buys are going to be, if it goes, if any skew goes below 120 days, then that's your trigger point for supply chain to, okay, we need to be placing another order now. Yeah, so, it's, it's a lot. You know, even during COVID, I was talking to someone who, like, what's that limiting factor? What out of the things you order, is that the longest um, the limiting factor product, like the longest it would take one of them. Cause you can't send, even if you're waiting on one product out of a hundred, you still can't send that box out without, with that one product. So exactly. is it, it's like usually around 120 days is like, is that the, the longest cycle for you to receive something in that box? So it depends. Like we have about 2000 different SKUs and our boxes, uh, are like 80% paper-based goods goods and then uh, 20% of them is uh, internationally sourced physical items. So a few of them take like 30 days manufacturing time, few of them take 60 or even like 70 days. So you have to like focus on every SKU different and then you will need to come out with your reorder points. It becomes a challenging situation, but yeah, we tried to take an average of at least 118 or 120. So it's a work in progress as you can't say that, okay, we have to be at 120 days. So based on how our inventory turnover is, and then looking at the market conditions, we are still trying to uh, pinpoint what's what's the right number there. Yeah. But yeah, is going to help getting that number down. And COVID throws a wrench in everything. I remember someone, um, they had a product that needed a cap and they had everything in the cap. I guess there was a shortage of caps for whatever product. And they said it was going to be like four or five months, you know, because of this one piece of their product. So it, it becomes a complicated formula depending on what's going on in the world also. Um, so look, last question I want to ask is about the churn rate. Okay. Because this is the 
you know, the golden question of how to reduce churn rate. So what is, because you see, you know, obviously there's going to be a certain number of people for whatever happens in the universe, they're busy. It's mm -hmm. not the fault of the company or the product It's just people get busy or things change. So what are some ways, but you're always thinking, how do I reduce churn rate? So what are some ways as a company that you have implemented to help engage people more and reduce the churn rate of, of the boxes? There've been a lot of different uh, scenarios where we came together as a team and tried to solve like, how do we find this, uh, find the solution to this problem called churn? Because when we started off, it was, it was in double digits, but today we are in a single digit churn rate. So churn doesn't specifically be like there, there could be a lot of different factors when it goes to like reducing churn. It's just not the product being good or having a tremendous customer service or like providing it at a cheap price point. It's the entire customer journey right from the point they are on our website till the time that they get their box, play the game and then give feedback. So this was iterative. So every month or every three months, we try to put this NPS survey to find out from our customers, like, what can we do better? We got their feedback, did a deep dive analysis, and then constantly kept iterating the product. So it's just not the product being really fancy or like marketing doing, doing a really great job, shipping on time, reducing the missing items or edit. It's the entire journey right from there on the website to finishing that experience. So we are trying to hit on every single nail there. So that is what is leading to uh, the reduction in churn. But at the end of the day, you can't always please every customer. There'll be a couple of them here and there that may or may not like the product or because of whatever reason cancel, we can't help them for that. But we are making strides in every direction that is the entire customer journey. Do you remember, you know, based on feedback or NPS, what you then did and added to the journey because of that feedback? Sure, like, so initially when the, like, for example, the product, the product itself has, uh, changed and iterated so much over the past uh, years. Like initially when we started off Hunter Killer, our very first season, you would get this, this correspondence from a fictional serial killer. So the serial killer is trying to reach out to you. Those were our first few seasons. And then as time went by, we started to get feedback from customers saying that, oh, I would like to be a detective or like be trying to solve the case than actually seeing what the case is. So we, put it, we changed the storyline a little bit. Today you're getting this case from a private investigator. So every time you get a box, it's from a private investigator. So it's much more immersive. So you get to be a part of it and then you get to solve the mystery. So that was one thing. And then CSAT score, like a lot of times during busy, busy times of the year, your response rate is quite long. You don't want people to wait. So that ends up to cancellation or people talking down. And then we made changes to that. Today our CS, CSAT score is more than 95%. That is one thing. And then Experience, like there's also a lot of digital elements that go into a solving a case. If a website is down or if you're not able to find a clue, then that would ruin the employee, uh, the game experience. So making sure technology is working on having all the sites updated with the right information. And then also managing the community. We have a Facebook page of more than 140,000 uh, members on there. And there are social media, uh, social media manager, Joe, she does a fantastic job. She uh, reaches out to all the members, she helps them, she guides them, puts them in the right places. And yeah, so managing all of these things, we've done this over the course of the past four years. So that I think all of these did help uh, solving uh, the churn rate. Also putting this box together, it's not 
um, it cannot be automated. You need to have a human element involved to take it and physically put it. So human errors, right? You might end up not putting a, a piece of paper or like a evidence that would stop people from uh, solving the game. Like you said, if you miss something, you can't do it. So we made a lot of QC improvements in our fulfillment distribution facility that, so we've gone down the error rate. So that again, that also impacts churn. So yeah, the entire team moves the needle to get the churn rate down basically. Totally. I love it. Everyone should, you know, check out huntakiller.com. Lokesh, I'm the first one to thank you. Check out their website. Check out more episodes of The Process Breakdown. Check out Sweet Process. And thanks, everyone. Thanks, Lokesh. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Process Breakdown podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. Mm.